Hello and welcome to episode 514 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, January 5th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm a liar. I'm flying solo. If you follow my tweets, you know I'm a big fat liar. I said Eno was going to be on, and he's not. Uh, he actually had to take care of the kids, so he couldn't jump on. So I went ahead and decided, you know what, it's been entirely too long Got to get an episode out. Got to talk some baseball. So I'm jumping on solo. And there's just so much news to talk about in the baseball world. Like, we can't keep track of all the transactions. This could be like a... No, I'm kidding. Nothing's happening. Nothing. It's crazy. I I was part of the the group that thought it really was Otani and Stanton holding it up. And that that was going to kind of open the floodgates. Um, there were others that were like, no, nah, that's not necessarily it. I was like, nah, I think it's a, I think it is a really big part of it. Well, I was wrong because it's not. I mean, you know, and th- there's always going to be multiple factors and something like that. But I, I definitely thought they were, if you were going to make a, a, a pie chart of what was holding up the free agent market, I would put those two with big chunks of the pie, maybe squish them together and, and, and make it a big portion of the pie of what was kind of causing the stopgap. But obviously they've, they've been, one's been traded, one's been signed, uh, you know, Stanton's traded, Otani's signed. It's been a while and still nothing's happening. And I think the big part, of course, is that the market isn't great and teams are not trying to overspend on guys that, you know, aren't going to be great investments, right? You know, free agency as a, as a whole, I think is understood not like a, 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 a automatic losing uh, gambit for teams. I don't, I don't think they go in that way. That wouldn't be smart. If you just like automatically think you're going to take, take an L being in the free agency market. But when you are signing guys in their late twenties, going into their thirties or who are already in their thirties, you are building in, you know, some loss into the deal. You sign a seven-year deal on somebody who's 29. You're hoping probably for four good years, or you know, two superstar years, uh, a quality star. You know, maybe an all-star level season that maybe isn't their best, and then another good season, and then those other three can kind of be up in the air. Maybe you're okay. We'll get an injury loss one. We'll get another one that's like a 90 WRC plus, and then who knows on the other one? Like they, no team thinks that a six or seven year deal is going to be perfect for all six or seven years. It just doesn't work that way. But I think they're realizing now that, you know, these aren't the guys that we should even take that shot on because even if we get our four good years, how good are those? You know, you sign Eric Hosmer to a seven year deal, the the best three, four years of that deal. Well, what, what is that? Is that something we really want to be paying 20 plus mil for? Um, you know, JD Martinez's defense has already been terrible and he's had injury issues. So what are we going to get if we sign him to a long-term deal, even though he is a great bat? Now he is somebody, I do think JD Martinez, and obviously let's put the, uh, let's put the disclosure out there. I'm a huge JD Martinez fan, so I might be skewed a little bit, but I, I think he's such a good hitter that those, the, the first couple years should still be, uh, very profitable for the team, but then it could go quickly because of health. And you have an automatic DH, um, probably in, in the in the latter end of the contract. And you know the pitchers, the Arietta, writing's on the wall in terms of, of what he's going to be. He's never going to be the Cy Young guy again. I think that's fair to say. Obviously, you can't 
say it definitively. I mean, you know, it could happen. I I understand that. I understand how the world works, so we can't predict the future. But it's a safe bet to say that 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 Jake Arrieta is gone. Uh, you know, what's you Darvish going to be like, and and on and on. And so the market is just stopped up. Well, these guys aren't going to sit out 2018. We know that. So something's going to happen. It, but it's it's crazy. This is something I can't recall ever seeing this. And you know, I know that in today's culture, there's a lot of um, you know, a lot, lot of a, a tendency to be like, this is the worst of whatever this is, or this is the best of whatever this is. So I don't want to do that, but I, I really do feel that we haven't seen a market like this, especially because teams haven't always been smart about the free agent market. So I, I, I do truly believe that we haven't really seen a stopped up market like this before. Um, now, the interesting part to me is that Yes, teams are, are, are getting smarter and they're going to be wiser about investing in, you know, making Albert Pujols type deals. But at the same time, free agent, the free agent markets are going to get younger and younger because guys are coming up earlier. So just as the teams are getting hot to, you know, not over investing in guys that aren't going to be good payouts, the market is going to shift and, and, and become something that you actually can once again, invest in when someone's becoming a free agent at, at 26, 27, well, then you can feel a little bit more comfortable giving him that seven, eight year deal uh, because you can now start to think that, okay, maybe five years of this deal could be good. So it's, it's all pretty interesting. That's a little bit more down, down the line, but this market right now, it's, I'm just, I just keep saying it's crazy because it is, it's crazy how stopped up it is. We'll see what happens. I, I still expect a flood of transactions here in January because you know, these guys got to get signed and it's going to come a point where they say, talk to their agent and say, get something done. Okay. I got to know where we're living. I got to know, you know, what's going on. I've got kids. Yeah. You know, I've got, a, I've got a family. We got to get this together. Let's go. Um, so, you know, we'll see how it goes, but uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about. I'm actually going to save it for Eno's next episode to talk about the Wade Davis thing. Um, that's really the only big signing that's happened. I'm actually going to talk a little bit about a, a draft I'm in right now, and it's it's not just a mock. It's a full-on draft. It's the Beat Paul Spore League over at Fantrax. Uh, a group of folks, 14 folks come in, 15-team league. Basically, your standard NFBC setup, you know, 5x5, five 15-team five, league, the, the standard roster for a league like that with the two catchers. Uh, first, second, third, short, corner, mid, five outfielder, utility, and then nine pitchers. And, of course, like I said, standard five-by-five five categories. So I got the seven pick, seventh pick in, in that draft, which is a pretty solid pick. I'm fine with it. Honestly, anywhere in the first round, I think you're going to get a really great player. I don't know that there's a bad spot in the first round. It's a really, really deep first round this year. I'm always somebody that's – I'd be open even in a non-OBP league to take somebody like Joey Votto and he never goes in the first round. So, you know, that that's where we're at with the depth. Just to spoil alert real quick, let's just jump to the end. Carlos Correa was the 15th pick in this round. Like there's not a bad first round pick this year. Um, so that, that part is nice. You almost, if you don't get Trout at the top, I think you almost do kind of want to be middle end, you know, closer toward the back end. Because then you get the you still get a great pick, and then you're back on the clock quicker in the second round. But I, again, I just don't know that there's really a, a bad spot in the first round because you're going to have somebody that is just 
amazing, like a, a great centerpiece. And I, I know it's the first round, so that might sound like a dub, but I think in past years there's been like cliffs where it's like, okay, the first five picks are great, giant cliff, the next three are good, another cliff. And if you're picking 15th, you're like, damn. Now that's, of course, how it is in the winter and then things shape out differently during the season. But right now it looks like up and down, maybe the first 20 or so picks are really strong. So at seven, I, here's what I did. I made a list that went Trout. I think I, I, this is off the top of my head, so I might have had a little bit of difference here. But I was like Trout, Altuve, Arenado, Harper, Trey Turner, Goldschmidt. I think that was my first six in a row. Well, they went as the top six picks, not in the order I had them, but they went as the first six picks. Trout, Altuve, Goldie, Turner, Arenado, Harper. So then I'm up and I took Mookie bets pretty easily. I didn't really have any qualms about that. I'm okay taking Clayton Kershaw in the first round, but I don't listen. I'm hipster alert. Beep, beep, beep. Hipster alert. I was taking Clayton Kershaw in the first round before it was cool. Okay. So your boy doesn't always get things right, but when he does, he's going to be an annoying douche about it no but I, I you know i a few years ago i was like like he's a legitimate first round pick even though people don't take a lot of pictures in the first round he's he's so much better than the rest of the class that you gotta take him i'm gonna go i'm a hipster the other way now I, i'm like flat out stereotypical hipster on this like the guy who loves the music band tells you that you gotta listen to them then everyone starts listening to them and he's like nah they're played out now i'm like eh, i'm not taking kershaw in the first round but it's not because everybody else is like I'm joking with the hipster stuff. It's because his gap between the rest of the, the pool there is not as substantial. And I'm not feeling comfortable about getting 200 plus innings. So he wasn't really a consideration for me. I love Charlie Blackman. I really do. But I just, I don't know, at seven I was conflicted, and, and with bets there, it was pretty easy for me to go bets over Blackman. I do think Mookie bets. you look at his year last year, and I think I've talked about this on the pod, was there anything about it that makes you say that the batting average wasn't basically just bad luck? I can't find it if there was. like I can't find anything in that season where I can legitimately say, you know what? Calling it bad luck is 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 faulty. I don't know, like how, and I'm the last person who will just use BABIP and and point to that as as a mic dropper on something. You have to look beyond that. But I look beyond the okay. I look beyond the 268 BABIP. Let's see his hitting profile. Let's see how much that changed. Oh, it was almost exactly the same. A little a little bit more on the fly balls. Uh, you know, trading trading some fly balls. Or excuse me, adding some fly balls for line uh, and taking away from line drives. Obviously, that's something that's going to hurt a Babbitt. Line drives are better for hits than fly balls. Okay, but not sharp enough to cut a Babbitt. What is it like fifty points? So that's out, you know. And I'm just like, well, what what are we seeing here? Let's let's take a look at his hard contact rate. Okay, that was actually up, and his soft contact rate was up. Not even a full percentage, 0.8. So he, he added hard contact, and it just came from his medium contact. 
So maybe there were more scorchers that just went right in people's gloves. You know, he didn't use the, the whole field as much. He was a little bit more pull happy. Um, four percentage points up, taking pretty much all from his oppo percentage for bets. Again, these are these are tiny differences that don't really get to the heart of why his batting average would drop from 318 to 264. So I look at the Babbitt. I look at the batted ball profile. I see that he didn't strike out anymore. He actually walked more. It was bad luck. I'm sorry. That That's what it was. Um, you know, he had some misfortune Mookie Betts did to have that batting average. Everything else was in line. He still hit 24 bombs. He still had the exact same 26 stolen bases. I don't know how he's falling beyond seven at, at the times when he is. And there are times when, when Mookie Betts is going later than seven. And I, I think that's crazy. Um, I think, I think he is a, a, a firm top seven pick. He was the easy pick for me there. Okay. Let me, um, pull this up really fast nfbc average draft position data right now he's going eighth mookie Betts is good but obviously that's his average meaning he is going later at times and i wouldn't let him get out of the top 10 i'm not i'm not saying you have to automatically take him seven every single time because you know you never know who's falling to you if someone takes kershaw higher and harper's there okay what you know whatever but his max pick is 13 someone got him at 13 that person is in a good position. I'd love to see the rest of how their draft turned out. So I took Mookie Betts number one. Uh, pretty slam dunk. He'll be 25. This is a guy who's got uh, – he's two homers shy of three straight 2020 seasons. And, of course, uh, 2016 was a 30-25 season. And last year was a homer short of 25-25. So bottom line is he's a superstar, uh, fantasy monster, easy pick. So then after that, I was like, you know what? I don't really know what I'm hoping falls to me in the second round. It's one of those situations. As good as the first round is, the second, third, fourth, and maybe even fifth becomes this amalgam of talent that I don't I don't see a, a lot of sharp differences in. Cut to the chase on something. Anthony Rendon went in the fifth round of this draft. If he went, if he went in the second, I personally wouldn't do it, but I would not blast the person who did it. And if he went in the third, I would say that's probably around where he should. I, I'm, a, I'm actually a Rendon backer, so I'm, I'm on the high end there. Let me see where he's going in the ADP. He's going at the 59th pick on average. Anthony Rendon is, and in this draft, that pick in the fifth round was. Dun, 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 dun. 63rd so he went beyond his adp like that was a steal yeah the fifth round it was a steal there um so i was like i don't really know who i'm hoping comes back i'll just kind of play it by ear if somebody happens to fall that definitely shouldn't be there like a manny machado i think that'd be crazy okay cool i know my boy Votto's not gonna be there pipe dream would have been nice 24th pick overall we're talking about here and lindor made it I took I took Francisco Lindor. I was thinking I might have to I might have to. I say I say that as if it'd be some sort of negative. I was thinking I could get Jose Ramirez of the two. I would think he would have been available and Lindor gone. I, I thought the market would value Lindor higher, even though Ramirez just had the great season. Um, but no, Ramirez was already gone, which I I'm completely fine with. I'm not I'm not bashing that. I love Jose Ramirez. 
Um, but I was kind of surprised that that he went ahead of uh, Lindor. They're they're 19 and 20 on their ADP right now at uh, the the NFBC. That's the National Fantasy Baseball Championship. For those that don't know, by the way, I know I say NFBC a lot, and some people, what the hell are you talking about? National Fantasy Baseball Championship. They're awesome. They they run a ton of leagues. Uh, these 15 team leagues. Then they, and then it has it fuels into an overall, um, which is, ends up being like 450 teams. So it, and you're like, well, how does that work? If you're in your individual league, it's the same way a regular rotisserie league would work. You put all 450 teams together. The team with the most home runs has 450 points, and so on. So I go ahead and go with Lindor. And obviously now I've got some nice little speed action. I got a guy in the middle of the infield, which I like. I got a guy who put some pop up in the middle of the infield, which is kind of interesting because he hit thir- what was it thirty home runs for for Lindor. It's crazy. It's still kind of crazy to think about his season. Thirty yaks, thirty three. Excuse me. Don't let me, don't let me sell the man short. Thirty three yaks for Lindor. So he's selling out for some power. It cost him a little bit of the batting average, but still an all around brilliant season. Only only fifteen stolen bases because I think expectations are for him to be. Uh, higher but he had 19 in 2016 so i think we shouldn't look at the 15 and 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 tab it as some sort of big disappointment um it's well within the ranges of where he could be now he could go wild in a given year and steal 30 like if francisco Lindor wants to but i don't know that that's something we should put him down for i think we should have him in this in this you know 15 to 21 range he's never broken 20 yet i mean 2016 was his first full season. He stole 19. He stole 12 the year before in 99 games. Maybe that's where people were getting these 20-plus projections. But I think he is a a high-teens sort of target, and then he could push higher if he chooses. It's one of those situations where he probably has the green light if he wants to go. But I'll take 15 stolen bases. Like that's, that's, That's pretty prime right now, which is crazy to think that anybody with 15 plus is making a pretty big dent on on your bottom line there. So I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. I've got power and speed. I think I've I think I've got big batting average upside too. Both guys are coming off of down years for what their skills say they can be batting average wise, but a Betts Lindor combo, I'm loving that. So then again in the third round I'm kind of taking it as is. Uh, my 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 boy Dusty Wagner who I, I did the NFBC with last year, the main event taught me a lot about the NFBC in general and just um, different perspectives on playing fantasy. Learned a lot from him last year. And, and, you know, one of his, not mantras, he doesn't just like blindly follow these mantras, but one of the ideas that he likes to uphold is is building power from the from the middle out. You know, like getting some of that middle infield power can be, can be where you can still get an edge in this power-rich environment, right? We know that, that a, a raw home run total, of like 20, 25 homers isn't necessarily hard to find, but when you're getting it at spots that other folks can't, that's where you can gain an advantage. So if you are getting the, that's why Gary Sanchez has such a a high value. By the way, he went in the second round. He was the 19th pick. And, And to that point, when you can get 30 plus homers at catcher, when people aren't really getting that, you know, they're getting their 20s, but you're still getting 13 more. And probably upside for even more. Gary Sanchez is a monster hitter. He's just absolutely insane. 90 ribbies at catcher. That's just bananas in 122 games. But um, so when you can get middle infield power, that's where you can still gain an advantage. 
And so with that in mind, kind of having Dusty, you know, uh, in the back of my mind there as, as I'm drafting, I'm like, you know what? What about Dozier here? Let's see if Dozier makes it. And as my pick approached, I saw that Corey Seager was still on the board. And I was like, well, you know, I could take him too. I, folks get a, a little bit too precious about the corner and middle infield spots. I get it, right? You want to hold them off if you can because somebody at that first third or short second could drop later in the draft, and it's nice to have the flexibility to move them in there. But it's, it's just another roster spot like any other. So if you if there are two great shortstops that happen to fall into your lap in the first three, four rounds, don't eschew the one, the second one because you're worried about filling up middle. It's just another position the way the, the, the second base position is or your second outfield position. Like Just, just fill it. So Seager's coming down, and I'm like, well, if Seager makes it, I'm, I'm going to take him. I've generally felt that Corey Seager's a, li- a little bit overrated in the fantasy market, but this draft was, was more in my thinking. They were saying, nah, let's, let's push him down a little bit closer to where he belongs. I feel like he regularly goes in the second round where I'm like, eh, more of like a third third rounder. He should be a firm third rounder in my opinion, um, and it's not always that way. Well, he actually uh, has been so far in this market. He's, he's 37th right now in, in the NFBC, which is – Good. I, I, I'm i cool with that. And so he ended up going as the 36th pick. So right around his ADP. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I took Dozier. I got Dozier, who's actually 39th on ADP. So I was, I was right in line with where the market is. And I thought that no need to get cute. No need to kind of um, reinvent, what, what is it, reinvent the wheel or whatever. Let's just Let's just take a guy who's another power contributor with some speed. At, at a position that uh, isn't necessarily rife with uh, with power options, generally speaking. Obviously, the, these past couple of years, power's been plentiful, but I'm still getting somebody at second base who can do really big damage. So went with Dozier. Now I've got two middle infielders. I've got three guys that all contribute double-digit speed, uh, that all con- should contribute 25-plus homers. I am feeling good about the beginnings of this draft so far. Is that this is a good team so far. And it's three picks. You, you don't want to go too hard on, um, you know, making your team off of three picks. But, uh, you know, it's a nice start. So so we're, we're rolling right now. Um, by the way, I guess let me, let me give the first round. I know people love hearing first rounds. I'm not going to do every single round. That will be boring. First off, the draft's not over. So we couldn't do that anyway. We are in the 11th round. And I have made my 11th pick. So I'm just going to talk through the 11th round here. But the first round, for those curious, was Mike Trout, Jose Altuve, Paul Goldschmidt, Trey Turner, Nolan Arenado. By the way, remember when people were making fun of me and Jason for take, taking Trey Turner, what was it, ninth in labor mix last year? Yeah, relax, folks. Uh, Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, Charlie Blackman, Max Scherzer, Giancarlo Stanton, Corey Kluber, Chris Sale, Chris Bryant, and Carlos Correa. That's the first round. And I know I've uh, been braggy already with the with the Kershaw hipster thing and then the Turner thing. I will take my L's when I get them, but that means I get to be a little bit of a a, a clown sometimes when when we get when we hit a little homer, okay? And uh, I I I fully agree with where Trey Turner's been going. By the way, the market's been super aggressive on him. I completely get it. I'm fully on board with it. Um, I know it's been eye popping for some to see him be, go consistently as a top five pick. 
uh, as high as pick number two, but I get it. And his ADP is four, uh, the fourth player off the board for NFBC League. So that that's where he's at right now. All right, so where were we? We got three picks. Oh, another interesting thing was in November in the in the NFBC draft we did at the Arizona Fall League, I took Alex Bregman in the third round, and I thought, I thought I was boosting him. I thought, you know, okay, I'm I'm taking him in the third round here. I'm I'm getting my guy. I know he's not going to make it all the way back. I was picking, I picked 15th in that in that draft, so I was going to have to wait all the way through the rest of the. Wait, no, 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 that would have been at the end of the third round. Okay, I guess I could have waited well no because then my next picks in the fourth round yeah yeah i wasn't thinking he would make it all the way back through the fourth and 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 to my fifth pick and i think i'm dead right on that that's that's why i took him there so i took him in the third i actually paired him with billy hamilton um and he's been going in the third a lot now which again kind of surprised me i did i didn't think that that was necessarily where he was going to reside i get it I obviously believe in it because I took him in the third round of a draft. I'm just, uh, like I said, a, a little bit surprised because I expected um, to be on the high end there. So turns out I'm not. He's 36th as an ADP. Alex Bregman, man, he's a stud, though. I, I really think he is. Going to be interesting to see what kind of year he can have. Okay, moving on. Fourth round. Thinking, okay, pitching is weird this year. And... I'm sure that's something we say almost every year because pitching is always a weird market. It's always uh, so interesting. And I think it's the, the it's definitely the place where I, I think leagues can be won and lost uh, more often than not because people have such different approaches. You can only have so many different approaches to hitting. Um, and I just don't, because there's not going to be as much volatility as there is with pitching in terms of how people value them. So I think that's why pitching is, is such a fascinating market. So I think this year you get through your top 2025. Let's, let's call it 25. Let's just say through your top 25. And you can feel pretty strongly about that group. And then, you know, the the the, the glob of, of talent here I was talking about in the second through fifth rounds of, of drafts as a whole. I think there's a similar glob of, of pitching. And it's around that that pitcher 26, and it can go as deep as like 60. And I know that sounds so crazy because that's so many pitchers. But you look, uh, you look up and down the rankings, and it makes sense. Like I, I'm not, I'm not overly enamored with um, Kyle Hendricks. Everyone knows that. I've got him 51st. Somebody can have him 28th, and while I don't agree. I don't think it's the craziest thing ever. So, you know, that that's a pretty big disparity. Uh, I was talking about this the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was talking about this in a piece I did about Rich Hill and uh, that had mentioned Rich Hill and Alex Wood because I had them a little bit lower than the market does right now at 46 and 47. I kind of have them right by each other. And I said, you know, somebody else might, be a little bit down on Garrett Richards and Lance McCullers, who I have at 2930 and I have Hill and Wood at 4647. That feels like a, a pretty big gap, right? You're like, well, we're talking about a group of, of 20 pitchers there. And so you must have a pretty strong opinion on, on Richards McCullers versus Hill Wood. And I'm like, I mean, I favor Richards McCullers, but I, I don't have like such a vehement opinion that you have to have 
Richards McCullards first because it's so wide open. And a lot of it is because of the volatility of workloads. The workhorse is dead, y'all. It, it is it is no longer a, a, a major thing in baseball. Teams are more and more saying, you know, they might have the one, maybe two guys if they're lucky that they can rely on. Um, Keiko Verlander, Syndergaard DeGrom, uh, Kluber Carrasco, and that's great when you have two. But a, a lot of teams might only have the one where it's like, okay, well, we don't really mess with that guy. And, but then everybody else is subject to maybe getting pulled after the th- you know right before the third time through, so they become a five six inning guy, and we just you know it's been going this way for a while. It's just really starting to to show where it's like okay, we knew it was go out there and give it your all pitch max effort for five six innings, and we'll see what's what. Uh, that's kind of been the motto now for for a good bit. But now we're really starting to say, okay, we're actually going to protect you on that too. Once you start to show that wear and tear, we're not just going to let you grind out a shitty seventh inning. We're going to pull you and bring in somebody fresh. Um, and so we're seeing all these these guys that kind of live in the 130 to 170 inning range. And so it, it leaves the interpretation of, of, of assessing these guys wide open about how you feel. You big Luke Weaver guy, you think he's going to put up that big 180 inning season this year where you might have him in your top 35. And I I love Luke Weaver. I saw him at the at the uh, AFL and I was a huge fan. And it turns out maybe I'm not as big of a fan as I thought because people are ready to go bananas for him. Okay, it's really, really funny that I chose that phrasing. I swear I had not seen this. I said people go bananas for him. The team in my league that took him is called the Savannah Bananas. (laughs) I swear I did not see it before I said that. I say bananas all the time. I think I can can, uh, confidently say that you you guys can trust that I wasn't – I didn't see that pun before it happened. Incidental pun. Um, But he was the 29th starter off the board. And, again, I don't have him as 29th, but I don't think it's so outrageous. I don't think the guy made a – um, catastrophic mistake. So, you know, it's really interesting with pitching, and that gets to my fourth round pick. I wanted to get somebody that I feel is in that in that level of astem, where, you know, as trustworthy as you can get without being those top, say, ten guys. Which for me right now uh, is uh, Scherzer, Kershaw, Sale, Kluber, Thor, Bumgarner, Degrom, Carrasco, Verlander. And Grinky, that's my top ten. And um, Carlos Martinez, Strasburg, Archer, and Darvish are in the same tier as Grinky, so they could very easily be in ten themselves. So that top fourteen uh, really accounts for my top two tiers, and those are the guys I would really like to have my ace from. Yes, I still believe in in you, Darvish. Okay, I understand that those World Series games were really bad, but everyone was saying the balls were different. He had two really terrible outings. Is he a garbage pitcher now? I mean, come on, folks. Let's let, let's relax. Um, so yeah, I wanted somebody from that, and I was able to nab Carlos Martinez, and I got Martinez as the. Let's see what pitcher was he off the board. He was the not. Oh no, no, that was Carlos Carrasco. He was the fourteenth pitcher off the board. So I got him a little bit later than than my rankings actually have him. And the and the guys that went above uh, were Luis Severino and Robbie Ray. 
who I, I, I don't have quite that high. I have them. I have Severino at 15th and Ray at 18th. So I'm not too far off, but I did not have, uh, I, I do not have them ahead of Martinez. I went with Martinez. Very happy to put him as, as my ace. I, I, I'm completely fine with that. I think he's a, a fantasy ace and is still showing the potential to be a, a, a true MLB ace. Now, the, what's the difference there? There's really not maybe that much. The whole ace thing, I'm, I'm really not even going to delve into it because the whole ace thing is, is really kind of a feel, uh, a, a, a personal thing of, of what you believe a, a true ace is. For me, it's somebody that I, I confident for fantasy for a fantasy ace, somebody I confidently believe is going to log 185 uh, or more you know, strong, strong innings, you know, with, with strikeouts too. Um, they don't even necessarily have to be on a great team to get wins. If they if they pitch well enough they they should get the wins. They could be on the best team and get 14 wins. They could be on a garbage team and get 18 wins. So I don't, you know, you guys know, I don't, uh, concern myself with that. I'm looking for the ratios, the innings, and the strikeouts. And Carlos Martinez delivers all that, and I still think has room to grow. He's doing that whole thing, transitioning, as they say, from a, a thrower to a pitcher. Um, he's still got 100 in his back pocket whenever he needs it. He can just rifle it up there. But he's also understanding that uh, using the slider and the changeup, that, that's fine too. You don't have to go there and try to blow everyone away with 100. This dude is just legit. So easy to take him. Got him as my ace. Let's roll fifth round coming back. And I'm thinking, well, do I want another pitcher or do I want to get a hitter? Well, at this point I'm looking, I'm like, dude, Anthony, I don't still on the board. He freaking somehow makes it to me. I'm taking him on As I spoiled it earlier, he went 63rd, which was a couple picks before me. Uh, I, I had the 67th pick, so it wasn't quite nice. By the way, Chris Davis did go 69th. That's Chris with a K. Very nice pick by Punisher in my league. Um, so I had, I had pick 67 and you know, I was looking at it, and I went ahead and went back to the pitching well right away. And I went with somebody who is a little bit more on that stability. Uh, like the, I don't even want to say high high floor sometimes might come off as an insult. Like, oh, I don't think he's that good. It's just a high floor. No, 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 no. This guy's actually a damn good pitcher. Uh, had had a few wobbly starts last year that that blew up his bottom line, but got traded in in intra city. I think I'm using that probably intra city trade, and and was really sharp over there. Added some strikeouts. I took Jose Quintana, so I got a one two punch there of Martinez Quintana, and I feel really good about that. I, I think the the whole like high four. What people are kind of saying on that is like, you don't usually get oohs and ahs when you take. Jose Quintana like it's not sexy but it's really good so um you know he had his first 200 strikeout season last year and that was in his first full season that wasn't 200 innings interestingly enough he put up four straight 200 plus inning seasons from 13 through 16 and and was you know adding strikeouts 164 178 177 I guess that's not adding but staying stable and then 181 and then this year he only makes 189 innings but has 207 strikeouts because as i mentioned once he got traded from the white Sox to the cubs he boosted his strikeout rate he had already boosted it uh previous compared to his previous years with the white Sox, he had a 9.4 
and I'm on baseball reference, that's why I'm not using percentages, uh, but he, he'd already boosted it pretty nicely with them. So it wasn't just going to the NL and, and striking out pitchers and, and facing a new league, but he amplified it even there. He goes from 9.4 to 10.5. So he had a big strikeout season, and we'll, we'll see if it holds. I haven't done a full investigation on, on Quintana to see uh, if there were a lot of changes behind it. There, I know there wasn't a huge strikeout or swinging strike rate surge to go with it, but that it doesn't always have to come with a, a swinging strike surge to back it. So we'll see. I, I'll do more investigation on, on Quintana. Even if he kind of trickles back to his normal, uh, you know, eight-ish, I'll be okay with that. But ideally, you know, he would he would hold some of these gains. So the bottom line was 9-9 nine, nine for last year when you add it all up. If he fell back to, you know, 8, 8.7, that, that'd be cool. I, I could live with that. And maybe gets back to 200 innings again in another 32-start season, which would be his sixth sixth straight. That'd be very nice. So I'm, I'm set up, man. I'm feeling really good about this draft through five rounds. I'm, I'm really liking what I've got here. Now we get into what I thought was a pretty pivotal round because I'm eyeing a lot of different ways to go. I'm looking at uh, teammates Justin Turner and Chris Taylor on the Dodgers, two guys I really like. Yelich is still standing there, and I think I think he's starting to fall in drafts because of the dismantling of that team, which is completely understandable. But he could fall too low and then end up getting traded, and then it's going to be a boon for people. So that's one thing I'm keeping an eye on. It's like, well, how far is he going to dip? And then people are going to start getting him in the 80s or 90s of, of – overall pick and he's going to get traded somewhere even if it was Atlanta I know they didn't have a great year last year but they're certainly on the come up and they're better than Miami so if he gets traded there then who the hell doesn't want him uh getting him out of Miami you want him probably in the late 60s early 70s pick range so anyway I was looking at him as well and I was also looking like I, I, I was looking at Otani I'll admit it Otani's been an interesting one this year. I didn't think I would get him anywhere because I thought I thought people would be super, 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 super aggressive. And the market's been pretty reasonable on him so far. Now, I think it's because it's super early. It's January 5th. I'm acting like the market's anywhere near set. It's not. This is still very, very early market. I think because I've been in so many drafts already, mock and real. I've been in this is my second real draft that's going to be played out, but I've been in like five mocks I, I just do baseball all year i i'm very cool guys i'm a very very cool person um so but it's still super super early in the market so i think that's what i need to keep remembering and it is going to change that first time that he goes into an arizona spring training game and starts throwing 97 and has some wipeout slide piece or that splitter that falls off the table he's going to add like three draft spots like every pitch <laughs> and it's just gonna be okay now he's picked 28 overall as opposed to like the 28th starter so i was looking at otani too i was like you know what i'll go three pitchers in a row and i'll see what i you know see what i can do here if i get otani at pick at pick 84 well he went pick 82 so okay that took him off the board by the way so turner and taylor and yelich they all went i was looking at all three of those guys they actually went in a row um, and I had Taylor, Turner, Yelich on my board, and it went Turner, Taylor, Yelich. So 78, 79, 80 for them. Otani at 82. And then Raphael Devers right before me. I wasn't really looking at him. Not that that's a bad pick. I just wasn't necessarily eyeing him. So then I was like, well, okay, what do I want to do here? One thing, I, I'm I'm a little torn on this as well because 
last year I remember it was like, yo, first base has like this this plateau, and you it it was kind of a down position because we didn't have a lot of trust in first baseman out there. So I was like, oh, what do we what do I do here? Well, this and then we had the homer explosion and everybody and their brother hit 25 plus homers and all these guys like rejuvenated smoke and Lomo and all these sorts of guys. And so it's like, you don't necessarily need a prime first baseman. If you don't get one, don't force it. Don't take freaking Eric Hosmer or something like that. Or, you know, I don't know how I feel about Will Myers. I really don't like, I I see the fantasy numbers. They're there. I just don't know how I feel about him, but that's a guy I could have looked at. So I was looking at maybe taking a first baseman. I went a route where I said, okay, I'm going to take this guy here who is a first baseman, but if another guy falls to me, I'm going to move my pick here to, to the outfield because I only have the one outfielder right now. So I took Ian Desmond. I'm still on the Ian Desmond train, guys. I know some of you are rolling your eyes so hard that they flew out of your eye sockets because some of you just cannot deal with Ian Desmond. I'm not one such person. I know that he had a brutal debut last year with the Rockies. We're like, oh, he's going to the Rockies. This guy's like a 2020 guarantee for several years. Now he's going to go to Colorado. Sign me up. Hooray. And he labored through kind of 95 games. The power wasn't there. He still did steal 15 bases in 95 games, but he only hit seven uh, homers and, and you know, 274 average, which is fine. That, that was actually uh, one of the brighter spots because he had a 345 BABIP. He's always had a pretty good BABIP, and I figured Colorado would enhance that. I'm sure that helped protect him, even though he wasn't at at peak. But I don't, I don't think he's done. I think, I think a healthy season from Ian Desmond's still going to deliver uh, 2020 potential with with upside for more, of course, because of Colorado. So I'm going back to the well with him. I go with Ian Desmond, and I think the market they they're not as high as I am at 84, but this is a draft where I, you know. The, the, not this specific draft. Just honestly, any draft I'm in, I'm I'm gonna get your guys sort of thing. I don't. I'm not trying to worry about what everyone else is gonna do in terms of uh, sniping me or whatever. But if I feel comfortable for a guy, I'm gonna take him, even if it's 25 picks over his ADP. You know, um, if this had been a NFBC draft off of their website and this would have counted in their ADP, my pick of Desmond at 84 would not have been his highest. He's gone as high as 80. But he has a 115 ADP. So I took him a little bit higher. But I wasn't getting the warm fuzzies about anybody else, really, once that other group of guys went off. There were some uh, other folks, uh, other pitchers I could have taken. But I I wasn't really going to get a third pitcher unless it was Otani. And I wasn't certain on taking him if he had been there. He was just somebody I was considering. But Paxton went right after. In fact, the guy who took him, Thompson, uh, Team Thompson, was saying, Spore, don't you snipe my pick. And I was trying to look around the board. I was like, I wonder who he thinks... I might take. And then when he took Pax, I was like, okay, that makes sense. But once I got Quintana, I was fine. Um, not necessarily zeroing in on starter in the sixth round. So I take Desmond, another guy, by the way, I got some more speed. And I do think that the power will be that. Now I don't have the overwhelming power from him. And if I did have to keep, if I do have to keep him at first base, you know, I'd be a little bit short there, but I'm hopefully I'm making up for it elsewhere at those middle infield positions. But also, I'm I'm eyeing some other first basemen that if they, you know, make it to me in a, in a round or two, then I will go ahead and take them. And cut to the chase, I did get get that first baseman the very next round, so I did move Desmond to the outfield because Miguel Cabrera was available to me at pick 97. And I'm not quitting Miguel Cabrera, guys. Yeah, Tigers homer, blah blah blah. You can say all that noise that you want. 
that's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's being a Tigers homer. I mean, if anything, I, as a Tigers homer, I watched him all last year, and I was like, oh, I mean, that's that sucked having to watch him like labor through the season. But I just, I don't see any scenario where where this guy's done being uh, a productive player, assuming even a modicum of health. I don't think he even needs to be, you know, peak one hundred percent health to get back to being a, a beast. And obviously, he was not healthy last year. Far and away his worst season. And I know he's going to be 35, but are we really thinking he's done? I don't. I don't subscribe to that. And I'm willing to take this this shot here at pick 97 on Miguel Cabrera. And so um, I went ahead, slotted him in, boom, got my first baseman, moved Desmond to the outfield, and I feel like I'm set up. Now I got a guy who can deliver that premium power if he's healthy. Um It'd be great to get a 30-homer season. I'm, I'm going to pencil him in for more of the, the batting average than the homers, and let's get him back up to, say, 24 to 27 homers. That would be completely fine. And I, I still am going to need some some power down the line here. But now i got another potential batting average guy, a big run producer. I know it's not a great team, but I think he's going to get his. And I think, again, that price, if I'm taking him in the fifth round with Miggy, then I'm asking him to do a lot. Getting him in the seventh round, I'm not putting a huge burden on him, and I can even sustain um, injuries too. Like it doesn't have to be a perfect season, and yet the upside is still there. Keep in mind of what he did just in 2016 when he went 38 108 with a 316 average. Now the 108, I say that that's his ribbies. I say that that's with a much better team. Okay, so let's not even factor that 38 and 316. I mean that was. We're a year removed from that, okay? So I'm not saying that's what we're getting, but it's not out of the it's not out of the picture. I do not think this first ballot, you know, inner circle inner circle Hall of Famer is toast after one injury addled bust season. Because um, even the other injury addled season that he had in 2015 was still a brilliant year when he you know led baseball hitting three. 38 and then led the American League with a 440 OBP. He only hit 18 homers that year in 119 games, but this is his only bad season ever. And I know that it is easy to be like, "Well, let's get out, let's get rid of this hot potato. The music has stopped. He's 35. He's done." I'm not sold that that's the case yet. So I went ahead and took Miggy. All right, now I'm looking and I'm, I'm again wide open on what I could do in terms of getting back in the pitching. Should I take a uh, should I take a closer? Uh, I'm looking at Yasiel Puig pretty heavily here to get another outfielder. Where are we at? And then the co- closers really start to go. I mean, they they'd been going a lot of the top tier guys. In fact, a couple had gone right before the Miggy pick with um, Ed, uh, Osuna, Edwin Diaz, Cody Allen, Rysel Iglesias all going before my pick in the seventh round. And then Brad Hand, Ken Giles, Wade Davis all going after me in the seventh round as well. Jump over to the eighth round. You got Greg Holland going. You got Alex Colomay going. So closers are going. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm not too panicked about it. I'm just, I'm, I'm watching it. And then actually, uh, Puig does go a couple picks before me. So I'm like, okay. Uh, I, Puig was actually number one on my board. I was ready to take Puig. He goes three picks before me. No sweat. I went ahead and jumped back in the pitching market. I did not take a closer though. I said, you know what? There's still plenty of closers I like. I will get one. So soonish 
soon-ish, okay? Just ish. I actually took a guy that I recently wrote about as well in that same piece that I mentioned that that, uh, talked about Rich Hill and Alex Wood. And I was talking about where the market, where the NFBC market is uh, more favorable than I am. And there was one guy that like, whoa, kind of surprised me. I was like, damn, I I love this guy. I am hyped as hell on this guy. I I, I joined the Nick Pollock fan club um, that he started for this guy, and I'm in. I'm all in. I did not know a ton about this guy coming into last year other than that he was a prospect who'd been traded and was retraded because he had to go back to um, – the Marlins because of the sketchy medicals deal with the Padres. You guys know who I'm talking about at this point. So I didn't have a ton of knowledge about him. Then I saw what he did last year and I fell in love quickly. It was love at first sight with Luis MF and Castillo. And so I was like, I want to be super aggressive this year, but I'm also trying to like temper myself. I'm trying to cold water myself a little bit on some guys. So I have him 36th on my list right now. And I think that's pretty fair. But at the same time, it kind of goes back to what I'm saying about once you get past around 25, you can really start to boost your guys that you like, that you want to bet on. And so I think a lot of people are subscribing to that same theory and boosting him into their top 30, which I didn't quite have him. So I was like, okay. As I was writing up that uh, that little bit on him in the article on Luis Castillo, I was like, I, I, I totally understand the hype. This, there's three legitimate pitches they're all great they generate strikeouts and ground balls um yeah he gave up some homers yeah it was like 89 innings i believe and he had a a tiny average and a high left on base rate so it's like a lot of things went well so you got to bake in some aggression but the foundation is so nice because of of the three-pitch mix and the uh, the 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 way he keeps hitters off balance and misses bats and induces weak contact. So I say, you know what? This will kind of be my uh, my my coming out party of uh, raising him off up my board. I already kind of committed to that in the article. I was like, you know what? Probably gonna bump him a little bit. Thirty six probably too low, but at the same time, twenty sixth felt a little steep. And I took him as the 28th pitcher off the board. So we are talking margins here at this point, and everything comes down to cost. And it was at a time where I feel more than comfortable with the cost. Now, to take him as the 26th pitcher, I guess he would have gone just at the end of the seventh round instead of middle of the eighth round, which is where I took him. So that's really the only difference here. It's going to depend from draft to draft, though. Some drafts might draft, um, I said draft like 92 times in that sentence. Some drafts might take pitchers a little bit more aggressively, and then all of a sudden your 26th pitcher is going in the sixth round or something. And maybe that's where I, I tap the brakes and say, I, I, I can't take him here. I want to take a, a, a Turner, a Taylor, a Desmond, um, you know, guys like that. So it it's always going to depend on the cost. But I had to get some Luis Castillo shares, and I got I got an early one. Actually, I got two because I took him in Arizona too. But that was before the market. That 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 was the like the first anything close to a real draft that's going to be public facing uh, at all. And I actually got him in the let's see. Oh, I got him in the same exact round. I got him in the eighth round. That's interesting. So that would be. Let's see what pick is that. Sorry, guys, doing math on the pod here. Wish I could do math in my head. Wish I had a good brain. 
So I got him with the 106th pick in that draft and the 114th pick here. So I'm full of crap. I just love Luis Castillo. Why do I have him 36th? I needed to move him up. So I did. I moved him up. Luis Castillo, welcome to the team. You're stud. We now have Carlos Martinez, Jose Quintana, and Luis Castillo. Hell of a trio as far as I'm concerned. I'm feeling Gucci. Next pick, I really like this one because this guy keeps getting taken out from under me in mocks and everything. And I'm just like, could you guys stop? Why are you even paying attention to this team? They're not good yet, okay? Lay off the freaking Padres. Don't be trying to take guys that I want to take, you jerks. Uh, no, I guess the market likes this guy, and they should. Um, he's got more punch than I realized. It's not overwhelming. I don't even think it's necessarily going to be 20-plus uh, homers this coming year. It could definitely develop into that down the line. But I'm, I'm drafting this guy more for the speed. And, and, you know, 17 stolen bases last year is not jumping off the page, but I do think there's the the potential for more. And if you're giving me mid-teens power with the potential to be a 30-plus stolen base guy, which I think this guy could do, then I'm all in. Uh, he's going to be 23 next year. And I was like, okay, before you freaking jackals can, can take this guy out from under me, I'm going to get in on the Manny Margot situation here. So I went ahead and took him at pick 127. Um, didn't really have any other considerations that I was looking at very sharply. I, that's who I wanted, and that's who I took. Some of the other guys that, that I was considering, uh, none of them went. So it's not even worth really getting into them because I actually took another one of them with my next pick. So I got Manny Margot, round nine, pick 127. And then I jumped in on the Gregory Polanco train in the very next round. So I'm really starting to get the outfield together. Not that there aren't outfielders for days, but I want to get, get kind of my, my stable guys here. And I can still draft one for utility later. I can put some on reserve. It's all right. Like I'm not worried about, quote, unquote, blocking up too many uh, outfield spots or anything, too. I know some people will bypass good outfielders in these in these mid rounds here because like no I can, I, I can wait I can wait and you can right there, there's there's really good outfielders I'm not saying that that's uh, a, a bad idea but don't you know just because there's there's capable guys that you can put in like a Corey Dickerson that you can get still like a hundred picks from where we are now maybe that overstates it I don't know and actually probably like he goes really late just because you can do that doesn't mean you should bypass getting somebody like a Manny Margot. I, and that's a bad example because Margot has the speed or whatever. Uh, I should probably do, talk about somebody who has speed like, uh, I don't know, Aaron Altair. You know, Aaron Altair is, a, well, he's an interesting one to bring up too because with the Carlos Santana signing, it moves Reese Hoskins into the outfield, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Michael A. Taylor, right? Okay, just because you can get Michael A. Taylor down the line, I don't think that means that you – you should automatically I, I love the blind resume stuff where they they take off the names, they show you like, hey, you can get this kind of production later and then then you are get this guy and this guy costs a heck of a lot more. I love that stuff and it's very useful to point out that there are um name value guys that that are boosted up simply on that name value and they necessarily shouldn't be. But there are times too where just doing the blind stat line, sure. But that's not 100% who they are. You're taking upside as well. And with Margot and Polanco, I think I am getting 
a, a healthy bit of upside, especially with Polanco if that damn shoulder can stay healthy. Now, I understand because it's been a, a chronic problem that that's not the strongest bet, so it's not something I'm putting all my eggs in one basket uh, on as, as, far as, as far as he goes, but that's also why I was able to get him in the 10th round. If people thought that, that Gregory Polanco's shoulder was going to stay healthy and he was going to you know play 150 games, then I think he's like a sixth round pick because of what he can do because he can give you uh, you know mid teens or higher stolen bases and and pop 20 homers which is what he did back in 2016 when he went 22 17 well last year he played 108 games went 11 and 8 251 not a great season but he's gonna be age 26 and he cut his strikeouts down substantially last year I still think there's plenty of upside please just let that damn shoulder stay healthy so that brings us excuse me that brings us to the 11th round of my, my last pick right now that we're going to cover. And I'll talk more about this draft down the line um, and, and let you guys know how it's going when it wraps up. And th- there is a link, too, that you can follow. I'll probably – let me see if I – got to remember to put it in the show notes here, and you guys can, can follow it as it goes. Um, I was going to get back on the pitcher bandwagon almost no matter what. I did look at some closers again. I was like, okay, I'm still looking, still looking – I'm still going to let it ride. And I'm kind of regretting that right now because a bunch of my guys went. Um, in fact, as this uh, as this podcast has been being recorded, Archie Bradley and Brad Brock and Mark Melanson went. Those were three guys. I, oh, and Calvin Rare. Wow, great. Definitely wanted at least one of those guys. Okay, so I might have gone too long on the saves thing. That's okay. Blake Trinan, guess you're going to be my closer. That's pretty cool. Go Oakland. Uh, anyway, so I knew I was going to get back in on the pitchers, and I want to get a starter, and there were plenty of guys I liked, and it was really it really came down to two. I was like, do I want the guy who, you know, I said the workhorse is dead, which the fact that it is pretty much dead is why this one guy that I have boosted since my, uh, since my first rating, my first rankings came out, and you guys have noticed because I kind of mentioned it offhandedly about where this guy ranks. You're like, well, how'd that guy move up? Uh, Jeff Samarja actually is one of the few workhorses we still have left. And I was like, do I want the workhorse or do I want the guy who might only go buck 30 but could be – oh, hang on one, one second. Um, that went a buck 30 but could go 180 amazing innings. I was like, which one do I want? And I went the route of the other guy, and I took Garrett Richards. I went with the with the flashy guy, with the per inning guy, if you will, the guy whose you know per inning output should be great, but might only give me 130. I think I have innings with with Martinez and Quintana. That way, I can be a little bit more risky with Castillo and Richards. So I got Garrett Richards. I now have four pitchers. I have four outfielders. The team as a whole right now is Miguel Cabrera at first, Brian Dozier at second, Francisco Lindor at short. Mookie Betts, Ian Desmond, Manny Margot, Gregory Polanco in the outfield, Carlos Martinez, Jose Quintana, Luis Castillo, and Garrett Richards as pitchers. So it's been a pretty interesting draft so far. Like I said, I will post the link so you guys can kind of check it out. Um, some some interesting things that have stood out to me, like I said, was um, that pitching I, was pushed down just a little. I, th- I thought that maybe – I thought there would be a little bit more of the – of. Uh, the starters taken in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds, but I think people, people were really more aggressive on the hitters, 
which has left some guys open. But that's why the seventh round was all pitchers except for four picks, including one, uh, my Miguel Cabrera pick. And we're seeing the eighth round was all pitch. Well, it was basically uh, all pitchers except for now it was about half and half. Excuse me, excuse me. But the the ninth round was pretty like we're seeing a lot more pitchers taken now. Um, and we're seeing these young guys just get, keep getting boosted. For those that want to know, Brown Lacuna, 89th pick overall. Um, that was pretty interesting. As I mentioned earlier, Otani was 82nd pick. This is going to be a fun league. It's going to be a tough league. These people know what they're doing. This league last year was really difficult. And uh, we'll see We'll see if they can, in fact, beat Paul Sport. It's not that big of an achievement. Um, I, um, I could beat myself in a league. I'm a clown. That doesn't make any sense. How can I face myself? Anyway, um, I just want to get a podcast out for you guys. It's been too long. I wish there was news. Obviously, the holidays were part of it, but the real fact was like there's nothing urgent to jump on and, and really dive in on. So hopefully over the weekend we can get some moves or early next week, and then that way when Eno and I uh, jump on, there's something to talk about. I think I'm also going to do an episode with, with Justin Mason next week where it's just he and I talking, so look forward to that. We're going to get back into the swing while we're doing – the, the regular podcast. The season is amping up and, and, you know, we're still kind of on that, the roller coaster where it's like, like we're in the upward, but then we're about to really, really get going. And you're going to start to see, you know, the four or five articles every single day at, at the site, the, the three to four pods a week, et cetera, et cetera. We're not quite there yet, but we're inching very close to it. So anyway, hope you all have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Peace.